Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. One more of the same one. Yeah, what sure. was that? What did I say? Sounds like the stutter. I'm not going to do the stutter, though. This week's episode of uh, Mike and Judy is sponsored by Roberta's. Brought oh, yeah, to you. Yeah, I like brought to you. Brought to you. We'll just we'll change it up a little bit. This week's episode of Mike and Judy is brought to you by Roberta's. Crush your fucking face. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. America. From border to border, coast to coast, and all the ships at sea. Streaming live from the County of Kings, Brooklyn, New York City, on the Heritage Radio Network. Are you ready for the fastest half hour on the internet today? It's the Mike and Judy Show. Spanning the globe for high-minded hijinks and low-brow kicks to bring you the best in sex, drugs, rock and roll, and nuclear fission. They're too bad for radio and too good-looking for television. And now, here they are. America's last best hope to make the internet safe for absolutely no one. Two people who will do pretty much anything for a pizza. Your hosts, Mike Edison and Judy McGuire. Well, all right. That intro never gets old. That was well, we're allowed to say it was Reed Paley doing the intro. I, I liked it. Backed up by uh, Mike Edison, John Spencer, and my uh, rocket train Delta Science Orchestra, of which Gary Lucas, today's guest, has actually been a part. Oh yeah, that was a good fun. I can't tell you how excited I am to have Gary here today. We have a famous guest. We are having a good. All run. our guests are famous, Judy. Just a matter yeah. of degree. Yeah, but Gary is certainly a superstar. We don't need to make his star. It's already made. Ah, shucks. <laughs> just trying to play my guitar here. The guy's got a Wikipedia page longer than the Academy Awards show. <laughs> I got to update them. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Gary, you're always working. You you work I more than anybody I, I know. Wow. And um, a little background on Gary for uh, those of you coming in nude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> boobies. <laughs> um, Gary uh, worked with Captain Beefheart in the last go around of the Magic Band, which certainly puts him in some very rarefied air. And I know all the boys geek out for Beefheart, but all the girls can go ooh la la because Gary uh, was also the collaborator with Jeff Buckley. Oh, yeah. Work yeah. on both sides of the fence. That's right. Uh, boys and girls. I applaud the, your the vicarious uni- nature, Gary. The universally loved <laughs> Gary Lucas. Gemma. And speaking of the three Bs, though, we were talking before, Beefheart, Buckley, and Bohemia. Uh, you were pals uh, with um, Vaclav Havel, no? Yeah. And, and we're recording like Dvorak like, for some project. I was it sponsored by the Czech Republic. It was. I did uh, an album. It's <laughs> Actually, only at this point in the Czech Republic, called Gary Lucas plays Bohemian classics. <laughs> Me doing my arrangements of music by Dvorak, Smetana, Janicek, and the plastic people of the universe. This is this is one well-rounded yeah. guest. I'm telling you because if you look at his Facebook page today, you were posting a Burning Spear oh. and an Anison commercial. But meanwhile, you're uh, transposing Dvorak. You want to lay a little of that New World Symphony on us? We're lucky because Gary's got his guitar all set here. Okay, wanna... well, I'm not. Uh, I'm actually situated in a different key right now, okay. but I can do something. Like
Yeah, all right, well, let's go. I would love to be that good at anything. Like, that well, I could just be like, oh, yeah. I know you are. Everybody's got their talents. I'm, I'm good at, really good at five things. There are five things I'm really good at, but I'm not going to tell you what they are. <laughs> well, I think that's... Let us count the ways. <laughs> um, yeah, you got to know me a little bit better. Okay. <laughs> Why, Judy? What, what, good, what things are you good at? You excel at many things. I've known you for many years. and I'm not that good that I could just do something great like, oh, here. I, I heard your version of The Greatest Love of All. <laughs> well, besides you know? singing. <laughs> And the, and, the, and the cards and letters just keep pouring in, by the way. Yes, I'm sure the demand is insane. So how do you, how does one come to, like, of all the punk rockers and perverts we've had on this show, not, none of them are friends with heads of state and get commissioned by the Czech Republic? Well, I uh, can claim patrimony in actual Bohemia on my father's side. My grandfather hailed from that area. And I started working there in the 90s, and right away... Uh, I think I got extra appreciated because Beefheart and Zappa, of course, were so iconic in the Czech Republic, and I was a link to that. And then also when they discovered about my bohemian roots, they, they certainly took to me. The family name originally was Liechtenstein, and I did a breakfast show in, the Czech Rep- in Prague in the, about 94, and they said, oh, you know, you must be a blue blood. <laughs> We got a Liechtenstein palace here. And I said, well, I don't know about that, because when I cut myself shaving, it's certainly red. (laughs) Uh, uh, Maybe, you know, the family uh, had something to do with that, but I'm a, you know. Where did they shorten it to to Lucas? To Lucas, because when the grandfather came through Ellis Island, Ah. they said, nobody will ever, you know, employ (laughs) you or be able to pronounce Liechtenstein. I swear to God. But whoever did the transmogrification of the name did a good job, because the root of... Lucas is light, you know, Lucent or Lucifer, if you want to go in that direction. And uh, (laughs) Liechtenstein means stone of light, like a diamond or a coal. So I like that because I feel I'm always trying to shed light on dark corners of uh, music, you know, in terms of projects that I embrace, such as doing Czech classical music on guitar. And that came about because the ambassador of the Czech Republic, Martin Palouche, was a friend, is a friend. And uh, when he had heard that I'd done a Chinese 30s, Project. That's one of my favorite of all of your records. Oh, I, lo- I love that. Record the Edge of Heaven. He said, "Well, you gotta do Czech music, then." You know, I mean, fuck are, you, are, you, are you an appropriate key to play some Chinese pop music? Uh, well, <laughs> but I can <laughs> I can tune it up if you really insist. Now that that record is completely out of sight. Now, of, all, of all your many projects, I, I enjoyed uh, the I enjoyed you playing Bottleneck on the New World Symphony. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because how often does that happen, right? Um, but the Chinese pop music was incredible. Now, Beefheart was a big fan of Chinese music he as was. well, right? He I, got the him Chinese opera. I got him into it. I got him into it. He actually went and saw a Chinese opera. I have a beautiful, beautiful drawing he did in the dark in Pantasia's theater in uh, L.A. Uh, me and my ex-wife, Ling, hooked him up to go see a Chinese opera. And I really, th- this is incredible that he did this thing. You know, it's like so beautiful and spooky. He's quite a good painter. Uh, I think he's and, a fantastic and painter, actually. All around. I mean, you know, it was one of those things. I think when he was playing music, he couldn't be taken as seriously as, yeah. as, a, as a painter, and he had to put down the music to be taken seriously as a painter. Because unfortunately, the world, you know, views things that way. Yeah. Right. Although saying that, it's funny because like when I did hook him up with his art career by introducing him to Julian Schnabel. And Mary Boone, and later on. Is there someone you don't know? Oh, well, I don't. I'm not name dropping. I <laughs> no, just haven't run dropping. into these people along the way, and that's their name. But the fact is, he said to me, "I can't continue in music because no one will take me seriously 
you know, I gotta be John Van Vliet. I can't be Captain Beefheart. As a painter, the you know the collectors won't buy it. But the uh, the funny thing is, when I visited a show that they had up here in the Knoedler Gallery, which by the way went out of business because of some shady misrepresentation of provenance of paintings by people like Jackson Pollock. On the, uh, read about it in the New York Times today. When that happened, when I went to the show of his, and I was impressed because this was Salvador Dali's gallery in New York too. All of the literature in the gallery. I mean, wall to wall, referred to his music career. That's all that they had, you know. I mean, they just had tons of press available to perusers of the art. Well, you know, those old hippies, those old beef art fans, have money. Well, that's not true because (laughs) I recently did a symposium in the in Liverpool at the Philharmonic Hall. Two nights sold out. Could have done five. The promoter told me, and I met with a guy from the uh, Blue Coat Gallery up there who had done many years ago, the first exhibition probably of all time of Beefheart's work in about 72, 73. And uh, Don Van Vliet created specifically 20 or so paintings, black and white pieces that they shipped over to sell. And they were going for all of $200 a painting, some ridiculously low sum of money, and not one of them sold. Yeah, now I bet these people are kicking themselves. And now Van Vliet goes for $50,000. And up. Yeah. yeah, seventy-five. It's because I think Higher. I think his painting's higher. great. Right. I think he's Come got. On. I think he's got a very. <laughs> you say five, I say six. You say six. I think he's got a great vocabulary. I think his uh, work is very evocative. Of you know, I mean, there's definitely a connection between his sound and his, and his uh, visual yeah. work. There's no question about it. Especially uh, we look at Ice Cream for Crow. We'll get to, we'll get to that in a minute. But um, we're gonna be making retune that guitar all fucking down. All right, I, I got see it now. <laughs> it's in the Chinese. It's in the key of Chinese. All right, that's good. You know, Jews love Chinese food. Why is that? Speaking of Gary, because they're open on Christmas Day. Is that it? Yeah, they they won your loyalty forever. I, that's my take as a shit. No, but they were. T- I was told when I lived in Taiwan that Chinese people consider themselves the Jews of Asia. <laughs> but then I saw a book over there that said Japanese, the Jews of Asia. You know, they were selling in a Taiwanese bookstore. So go figure. Yeah, you got to f- so travel pretty had? far to find someone who wants to be a Jew. <laughs> Well, I don't know about that, Madonna. Uh, that's a very prominent yeah, example. Really, Sammy Moore. Davis? What are you talking about? Uh, shut it's down. It's hard to be a Jew, but at the same time, you know, there's a certain bit of... It was a penis envy, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. It's okay. You're approaching one of the five things. What do you got for us, Gary? Night in Shanghai. Gary Lucas. 
Thank you. It was amazing. That's fantastic. Thank so you. Um, you were in Before It's Band. You came on yeah. around Dock at Radar Station, yep. and you did those spectacular solo guitar pieces, oh. Evening Bell. Thank you. Evening Bell and uh, Flavor Bud Living. Um, am I hearing some, something in those in those pieces that I'm reminiscing no, of Chinese listen, stuff? No, listen, you know, I actually you know, talked to him about this, and he said, it's really funny that you mention it because my mother, Sue, Don's mother, Sue, said to him when she first heard his music, sounds kind of Chinesey to me, Don. <laughs> well, you know, you know. Sue was a trip, man. Isn't that and he was related, he claimed, you know, to Wallace Simpson, Warfield, yes, the Duchess of Windsor. Who was it? Don, who, he who, said, who, like, who was huh? it? Was it Coleman Hawkins when he first heard Bebop? Said, That's Chinese music? Yeah, or Dizzy Gillespie. <laughs> Louis Armstrong famously apparently said that about Charlie Parker. Right, right. It was kind of Chinese. But, it, was, it was Coleman Hawkins who said, we don't flat our fifths, we drink them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I hear an affinity with the blues in Chinese music. And in that record, The Edge of Heaven, I de- definitely gave it a certain twist uh, in the realm of, you know. I, well, I hear blues but, in all sorts of weird yeah. ethnic music that isn't, you know, rooted yep. um, you know, in the American sure, South or sure, in Africa. Sure, sure. Um, like weird Greek folk music. Yep. I mean, we're talking about the, the true ancient music. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a real blues to all yeah, of this. Yeah, well, you know, everybody feels uh, pain and joy and suffering. And, you know, I'd say any music that actually uses slurred notes you know uh in minor thirds and flat yeah, sevens and just in in just intonation <laughs> uh the devil's ha- note has the, yes, blue the note? tritone and all them has a certain kind of like bluesy quality to it and that's the music i relate to most uh, beyond any other kind of music i'd say my preference is when i hear the sound of a human struggling through their instrument be it Oh, yes, Chinese music, Celtic music, uh, African music, the shags, you know, that's the blues. <laughs> that is the yeah, sound of suffering, there's no yeah. question about it. But you also play a lot of pop music. I mean, what you're playing just now is pop music, and we're going to get around to talking about Jeff Buckley okay. before we're done. That's pure pop. Sure. Um, before we take a break, though, I want to talk about Ice Cream for Crow, which was okay. the last Captain Beefheart sure. record. And you know what? I don't want my MTV neither, man. I didn't <laughs> want it then. I don't want yeah. it now. Yeah. And I loved it when Captain Beefheart was on David Letterman. We put him up to that. Man. They said to him, you know, we're going to show this clip. I heard MTV rejected it. And he said, famously, I don't want my MTV if they don't want my video. Because that whole campaign, I want my MTV, was George Lois. And he was the same guy. I, I can't believe it was George Lois, a guy uh, who I loved. Who wrote, and now, I want my Mapo. Right? You know, but he was also obviously the, uh, the art director for all those great right. Esquire, Esquire covers. Yeah. Of Andy Warhol and yeah. uh, Muhammad Ali. And here's this guy. And now he's in the enemy camp. Clearly yeah. in the enemy camp. Well, you know, I always say, it's not just MTV. It's but the green, green grass of home. Man. But television was what destroyed rock and roll. I mean, to me, the, mo- the moment it was fucking Shame. over was when they put Pat Billy's Boone when Boone. they put Pat Boone on TV <laughs> doing a Little Richard song, right? I mean, that's it. I mean, who owned the TVs? Yeah. You know, not, not you know, poor, poor black people who were grooving. No, I mean, look, you got this, like, screaming black homosexual with his hair piled up to the ceiling, like, r- ranting and raving, wearing a shower curtain. They were never going to put him on TV. Yeah. You know, so they got, like, a guy but with some buckskins. They shot and him on Sullivan from the waist up. Because those hips were so... You know, those swivel hips were lie. a little bit too lascivious. Man, you know what? I don't like people who don't like Elvis. I, I really <laughs> love... You know, when I got an Elvis was... I took a vacation, a holiday in Mykonos. And uh, the guy who invited me uh, out to dinner had a live Elvis cassette. Very low, bad quality of from the Sun era. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing made sense to me then. That was not until about 2000. 
2001. Up till then, I just pro forma rejected it because it was so popular, like most things, you yeah, know. Well. If I really, like, you know, just kind of cringe from too, yeah, well, too some, many mass. Uh, some things that are popular are good. But that, I was <laughs> suddenly, I clicked into place for me, and I was like, this is it. Yeah. Man. It's great. Man. So uh, I'll tell you what, Jack, you got the song queued up for us. Uh, I think we're going to hear Ice Cream for Crow, um, courtesy of Mom A. <laughs> After that short Captain Beefheart break, how do you feel about Captain Beefheart, Judy? I appreciate <laughs> Captain Beefheart, it's but a guy's thing, it's so politic. What is it? I want, I wanna, but it doesn't. Speak I, he to said me. women wanna, really wanna. understand my music, man. <laughs> you know, trust me, it I gets wa- them really down low. Man. I got, I gotta say, I'm one of those guys. Like <laughs> when I heard Captain Beefheart, when I heard Trap My Scrapplica, I mean, it opened what? the doors. It really changed the yeah. way I looked at a lot of things. You know, he came at the blues and, and you know, and the jazz and, the, and all these references so sideways and inside out and upside down that it actually affected the way I looked at movies. You know, it affected the way I walked down the street. Wow. I mean, wow. really. I mean, the Clash did that for me, but not. I liked it. It, it was just a, a real when I. Got it, you know, when I unlock the key to try out my scrapplica, and I know some people have trouble listening to it, but for me, it's like like Exile on Main Street, my other right. totem of 20th century culture that I admire. I put on side one, and then I can't kind of really leave the room until I get to the end of side four. It's definitely uh, co- foregrounded music, best enjoyed in a coffee atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> that will be our pull quote, Jack. <laughs> Uh, so, speaking of three Bs, we talked, we were in Bohemia and before, let's talk about Jeff Buckley. Oh, yeah, for the girls. He was one of the greatest young singers, all-around musicians, fantastic, charismatic, uh, a voice from heaven. And uh, yeah, I'm really proud of having worked with and collaborated with Jeff. And uh, also kind of getting him out of his shell, because when I met him, he was really sort of at loose ends in L.A., living in L.A. And I wrote uh, a couple of pieces to entice him to move to New York and start this band with me and be the singer in it. I, it was going already, quite honestly, as Gods and Monsters, but I thought it lacked a male 
vocalist. I wanted a lead singer, mm-hmm. you know, out of the classic you rock. Needed, you needed a young I, pussy Magnus. Well, with God's <laughs> monster. Exactly. All right, let's, let's, just, like let's just... But anyway, <laughs> you know, as I mean, I wrote a piece called Rise Up To Be, and I actually titled it to entice him. It was sort of like a message, a rise up to be, and you will move to New York, and, you know, you will become the rock star of your dreams. How did you meet him? Uh, Hal Wilner, the producer, did a a tribute to his father, Tim Buckley, at St. Anne's Church in Brooklyn, not that far from there, in 91, and called me up, and I said, well, I'm a huge Tim Buckley fan, and he said, well, that's great, and we have actually been contacted by his son, Jeff. I said, I didn't know he had a son. Well, neither did we, but he's come forward, and he wants to take part, and I think you'd be a good collaborator with him. He had the notion, and I said, sure, I'd like to meet him, and... So I was down in the church rehearsing with this other person working with at the time, and we finished, and then I was packing up. Jeff came up to me, and right away I said, this has got to be Tim Buckley's son, because he looked like a much younger Tim spitting image. And he was vibing me and rolling his eyes and pop, you know, just sort of like exuding, uh, you know, charm, personality. And he went, you're Gary Lucas. I love you, man. I love your guitar playing. I read about you in Guitar Player. I loved you with Captain Beefheart. I, I know all about you. I really, I love what you're doing right in there because he snuck into the rehearsal I had done. He was like, sort of like observing it. That's how I met him. And then I said, well, come on up by and, you know, let's see, let's do one of your dad's songs. And Hal said, do the song Sophronia from uh, the album, oh no, The King's Chain from the album Sophronia. Mm-hmm. It's part of a suite on there called Sophronia. And so I set up a loop. He came by uh, with my digital delays and ran them backwards and started you know, picking this piece, the chords, and he, I handed him the mic in my apartment, and my jaw dropped. I said, oh, my God, you are a fucking star, man. You are amazing. And he was like, really? I am? <laughs> Do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And then I took him out to lunch because right away I saw the possibilities here. Are you at any kind of tuning week and uh, whip some of that Tim Buckley or not really. Jeff Buckley? <laughs> Wait, or- a second, right, <laughs> do- Wait a second. But it's not too far from this. What is it? We have to get to your Barney Russet too. I mean, yeah. Well, you you are. I mean, one reason I think uh, Gary and I became such fast friends uh, when we met a, f- uh, a few years ago is I think we're basically both old beatniks. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you say it. <laughs> hey, I'm just. I mean, I'm not Gary, that old. Gary's like old an encyclopedia am, of cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. listen. I'm just uh, happy to be here and play music for everybody. Gary really That's is on good behavior joy. today. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, it's true. It's like. The longer I do this, the more uh, I enjoy it, actually. Well, we're and I'm playing this Thursday at Iridium, a beautiful jazz oh, club, yeah. upscale Tony, uptown <laughs> joint on 51st in Broadway with a kitchen, great food, and uh, shows at 8 and 10 with a fantastic French vocalist, Beatrice Demimondaine, who I played sexy. with, and she's for, you know in uh, Paris two weeks ago. Uh, she just friended me on Facebook, and I. Um, she's a hipster. You know, well, isn't Demi Montaigne? Isn't that like uh, basically French for underground? And also, uh, <laughs> a woman of easy virtue, supported by dubious means. No, no, no. <laughs> she's a solid citizen. I can tell you. <laughs> and her old man runs the hippest underground rock bar in Paris. If you're there, go to Menon Montaigne and check out. La Feline, the Catwoman. Next week, the Mike and Judy show will be broadcasting live via satellite from Paris, France. Good place to do it. With baguettes and croissants and wine. Ooh la la. Meanwhile, here we are on the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Roberta's and Bushwick with our friend Gary Lucas. What do you got for us? This is Rise Up to Be. All right. 
This is the template to Grace, the song Grace everybody knows, the title of Jeff's one and only studio album on Sony. And it was originally my guitar instrumental called Rise Up To Be. Jeff came to New York in the summer of 91. He jumped off the bus. He'd been on a road show uh, band uh, doing the commitments, trying to promote that movie. Wow. And playing bass in that. And he comes over to my apartment. And he says, you know that thing you sent me called Rise Up To Be? Now it's called Grace. And I said, okay, play it. And he pulled out a book of his jottings, his poetry, and he started, like, singing. There's a moon asking to stay. So anyway, this is the music, a little bit of Rise Up To Be, a.k.a. Grace. Beatrice is going to sing that and some other ones. Well, in a little bit, we'll hear you. Uh, we'll hear you uh, have a nice recording of you and uh, Jeff. Uh, Barney Ross. Ask me the Barney Ross. <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell us about right. how. Uh, one of the great <laughs> cultural avatars uh, from the 60s era and uh, beyond, of course. His influence spread worldwide, and he definitely changed the way. I dreamed of being on Grove Press. Yeah, I mean, this I, was, you know, when I put my first book, I mean, all I ever wanted was to be on Grove. The founder of Grove Press, who Barney Ross had just died a couple days ago, and Barney started Evergreen Review and Grove Press, and they published Hélène Robrier, uh, Samuel Beckett, uh, he stood a fantastic up, He stood up for William Burroughs, of course. Yes, uh, William Burroughs. Just one hit book after another that really changed the course of uh, the culture in the United States, and it freed up the censorship laws, which were pretty rigid. And then, you know, it took on the, you know many many uh, attempts to shut down his press and put him out of business through uh, various right-wing factions in uh, the United States. One, one thing that may not be known about Gary, um, aside, I mean, obviously, you're, you're a great intellectual, you're a great sort of Jewish beatnik ah. of the 21st century, but um, you are a lover of the profane. Yeah, and, well, um, I and, mean, you know, you know like, and the pornographic, so like, your, you know, bu- like me, your buddy, me, sue me, yeah, like your buddy Van Vliet, but um, on yeah. the way over uh, here, uh, we're riding over here, I, talking, we're talking about Ralph Ginsburg, and you were defending him in high school. Yeah, I was. I did a whole thing about Ralph Ginsburg and Eros magazine, and then later fact magazine well look i mean let's put it this way i'd much rather look at pictures of people fucking than getting their eyes gouged out or whatever you know passes for entertainment in the world particularly in america in terms of the ultra violence and do you know what i mean i think it's a lot healthier i absolutely agree so 
Uh, and what is wrong with that? But the puritanical overlays in society and now what's considered PC. And, uh, you know, who are the brain police? I mean, really. It's like I get taken to task for people project all sorts of things on me. And all I can say is that, no, I have a love of the erotic side because I think that's pretty much, you know... Uh, uh, like all, all we have going for us is like love, whether it's self-love or love of other people. I mean, in a healthy adult way, right. nevertheless. You know, so, so, so you saw Barney two days before Yeah, he died? before he died. I visited him with my writer friend Bradford Morrow, who's a great, great uh, writer. And he was also Wyndham Lewis's bibliographer with Bernard Lafourcade. That's another story. But Brad took me over because I, I'd met Barney at a party previously and I really wanted to hang out with him. And I walked into his loft in the East Village, and the first thing I was struck by was an amazing large poster of Allen Ginsberg in color with his Uncle Sam hat, famous 60s poster. He used to be on the subways in New York, and the headline was, Join the Underground Generation. I had that poster on my bedroom wall in high school. I had two posters of Ginsberg, who I later worked with. And so I was, you know, really uh, happy to see that. And hanging with him and his wife was a great experience. And actually, I asked him if he would make a copy of a story from Evergreen Review, October 1970 issue, by L.G. Corey, that stuck in my mind all these years, which I'd urge anyone who can locate an original issue of that to contact me <laughs> forthwith. It, was, it seared my brain back then, and I wanted to read it again. And they went and pulled out the issue and Xeroxed the story for me. And, uh, and guess what? Once again, it's been the fastest half hour on oh, the internet right. today. And today's, speaking of contacting yeah. you, though, Gary, how do people find uh, Gary Lucas? Uh, GaryLucas.com or Gary at GaryLucas.com. And I got to like, say, your Facebook feed is one, one of the best. And you're so yeah, um, Catholic with a small C in your taste in music, which is one reason I, uh, I always like it. Because, you know, I always, we talk about this. Yeah. Our rock and roll friends, you know, I can barely get them to listen to Charles Mingus, right. you know, let alone some real jazz. Right, or, you know, and, and Judy, I hate jazz and I hate reggae. And today you were listening to Burning Spear. That was a nice one, by the way. I was a Good obscure Burning Spear single you posted right after the end of oh, this race. That's a great uh, song. It's amazing, yeah, right? Yeah, Studio yeah. One. So, yeah. Gary, I want to yeah. have you back. It's been a very unusual show. Thank that both, you, Gary. Both Judy and I have been remarkably quiet today to let uh, Gary Starstruck. roll on. Well, you're the best, <laughs> and I hope you'll come back and visit us again. Everybody, Definitely. go see Gary at Iridium this Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. And uh, once again, it's uh, Mike Edison for Judy McGuire and Gary Lucas on the Mike and Judy Show, broadcasting live on the Heritage Radio Network. This is uh, Gary and Jeff Buckley doing grace. See you all next week. Thank you.
Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 